This, this is the Pat O'Keefe Show. What a day we have ahead of us. Of course, NFL Week 7 continuing. Giants and Jets each looking, seriously now, each looking to extend their three-game winning streak. Giants in Jacksonville, a 1 p.m. kickoff. And then later on right here, you have the Jets in Denver. They'll get going at 4.05. And, of course, our pregame coverage begins right here at 2 o'clock on 98.7. Both teams, and this is where it gets a little scary, and this is where, as a fan of either of these teams, you really start to uh, feel the shrapnel of rooting for these teams for the past decade. Both of these games are imminently winnable. The Giants in Jacksonville against, yes, an up-and-coming team, but one that has struggled in recent weeks. Definitely a winnable game. They're not in Kansas City. They're not in San Francisco. They're not in Buffalo. They are in Jacksonville. But it's also a game that they can easily lose. And by the way, neither of these teams have crossed the threshold in which there is not a game that exists that either of them can lose. So let's just lay that out there. So that's the Giants game today in Jacksonville. Same thing goes for the Jets. I mean, the Denver Broncos, between their head coach, Nathaniel Hackett, And their quarterback, Russell Wilson, who's not even playing today, which might not be the worst thing in the world, I think they have actually been the biggest disappointment in the NFL this year. They are just an awful team to watch. They're awful in execution, decision-making. Their offense looks like it's something out of the 1950s. So you put all those things together, plus you add in a backup quarterback in Brett Rippon, who gets to start today. And this is a game that is imminently winnable for the Jets. But because... It's the Jets, and I'm not I'm not evoking the same old Jets. I'm just saying that if you're coming at this from the perspective of a Jets fan, having watched and rooted for this team since the last time they went to the playoffs in 2010, you're leery about this game today, and you absolutely should. It's still going to take a while, as well as these teams have played, and they have played brilliantly. Both of New York teams this year have played brilliant football. It has been a fantastic first month and a half of the season, but I don't think there's a fan in this town who is out of the woods yet and ever feels comfortable going into a game, and I think that's still going to take some time, and that's fine. Both franchises are moving in the right direction. What else is going on? Well, let's talk about a franchise that is not moving in the right direction. In fact, it's a franchise that despite 99 wins this year is standing still and running in place. And if you think about it, the New York Yankees have been doing that. You talk about a decade of futility. The Yankees have been doing that for a decade, just running in place. Last night, the worst of all the playoff defeats, I think, against the Houston Astros And there have been a lot of them going back to the wild card game in 2015, losing in seven in the ALCS in 2017, losing in six in the ALCS in 2019, and now on the verge of being swept in the ALCS in 2022. I can't remember one franchise having the number of another franchise like the Houston Astros do to the Yankees. Do you think the Yankees are still upset that they were banging on trash cans and stealing signs in 2017? I got to be honest with you. I don't think that made a I don't think that made a lick of a difference. I don't think that made a difference at all. The way that these two teams look when they are on the same field, when they're on the same field, 
they look like they don't belong on the same field. And last night was the culmination. The Yankees almost got one hit in a game at home that is a virtual must win. It's never actually a must win until it's a must win, which tonight is now a must win. But it was a virtual must win game last night. You're at home for the first time in this series. First time since you knocked off the Guardians in the previous round. You have your ace on the mound, and he was dealing. And you are going against their third best pitcher, their fourth best pitcher, Christian Javier. Dusty Baker wasn't even sure if he was going to start him in game three or game four. It's not Verlander. It's not Framber Valdez. It's Christian Javier, who certainly seems to like pitching in Yankee Stadium. 12 and a third innings pitch there this year. One hit allowed. You get one hit. I feel like Harry Doyle on Major League. One hit. That's all we got is one. I won't say the whole sentence. One hit. That's what it felt like last night at Yankee Stadium. One hit in a game like that. I'm at the game and I'm charting the first couple of innings. First inning, Yankees don't put the ball in play beyond the pitcher's mound. Second inning, still the Yankees, by the end of that inning, had not put the ball in play beyond the pitcher's mound. The only hit of the night was a rope of a double to the wall by Giancarlo Stanton. Until the ninth inning, when they got two meaningless singles, when the game was already in the books, trailing five to nothing. And of course, despite getting two runners on in that inning, Josh Donaldson strikes out on another ugly at bat to end the game. And now the Yankees are one step away, one loss away from elimination today. And the way that this season has played out, and we have certainly dissected it because there have been many different peaks and valleys of this Yankee season. I mean, the first two and a half months up until about the middle of June, up until, and check the schedule on this, up until a team called the Houston Astros paid a visit to Yankee Stadium in late June, this team was playing at a record pace. They were on pace to win 115, at times 120 games. They were winning every single day. The starting pitching was unbelievable. One guy to the next to the next. The bullpen was shut down. Aaron Judge was doing what he did pretty much all season. And on any given night, somebody else would step up with a big hit, whether it was a Giancarlo Stanton, a Glaber Torres, a Jose Trevino, a DJ LeMayhew. And they had everything working the first two and a half months of the season. And then Houston visited late June. They sh- they no-hit the Yankees at the stadium. The Yankees ended up splitting that series. The only two games they won that series were on walk-offs, so they easily could have been swept in that series, but they had two ridiculous come-from-behind victories. And then the Yankees came out of the All-Star break and got swept in a doubleheader by Houston. So once again, it was clear that Houston had the Yankees' number as they have had since 2015. I mean, you talk about one franchise being in the head of another. That's the Houston Astros. I mean, the Yankees are still mad about the stealing signs. That's still on their mind coming into this season. That was five years ago. Carlos Correa is gone. Carlos Beltran works for the Yes Network. He was on the Houston Astros team when that happened. Alex Cora was on the Houston Astros staff. He's on his second stint as the Red Sox manager, yet this is still a thing, this sign stealing. And then the excuses start this series. That ridiculousness with the roof being open after game two. Are you kidding me? A team that relies on the home run ball 
more than any team in Major League Baseball is complaining that the roof is open and benefiting the other team? I would love to see StatCast tell me if there is any park in Major League Baseball, roof open or roof closed, that Alex Bregman's shot in Game 2 would not have gone out of. That was a bomb! And just to come out and complain about that is just such a bad look, especially given the history of complaining from the Yankees' side when it comes to the Astros. Aaron Boone, who... I think his greatest strength as a manager is his handling of the media. He very rarely, if ever, says anything controversial. Any internal discussions or points that he wants to make with his team, he does so within the confines of the clubhouse. I mean, Aaron Boone, and if you go back and try to understand why he got this job after the 2017 season with no managerial experience, a big part of it was that, the way he could handle the media, the way that he could manage the clubhouse. And he's done a really good job about that. You want to talk about his in-game decision-making? I think that's completely fair, um, including yesterday's game, taking Garrett Cole out with the bases loaded and nobody out in the sixth inning. That is all on the table. I think his greatest strength is the message that he delivers. He never gets too high. He never gets too low. And I think over the course of a 162-game season, that is very beneficial to this team. However, the fact that it was him making those comments after Game 2 about the roof was very surprising because that is uh, antithetical to the approach that he usually takes. And it just shows you that when it comes to the Yankees against the Astros, that there is something off. There is something completely off about this team. And part of it is the Astros are better. I mean, the Astros are a fantastic team. You look at their lineup, one through seven. I mean, Trey Mancini is an above-average Major League hitter. He didn't even get into the lineup until yesterday. You almost forgot they had him. I mean, across the board, starting pitching, advantage Astros. Bullpen, advantage Astros. Lineup, advantage Astros, even trade deadline acquisitions. Look at the trade deadline acquisitions just in yesterday's game, and I know this is a snapshot, but the Yankees' big trade deadline acquisitions were Lou Trevino and Harrison Bader. Trevino gave up the three inherited runners that he came on to, uh, with yesterday in the sixth inning, and Bader had the biggest miscue of the game, dropping the fly ball in center field. Not 100% his fault. Some of it has to be placed on Judge, but that's Bader's fault, and it was Bader's error. On the other side, just in yesterday's game, the trade deadline acquisitions, Trey Mancini gets an RBI, and Christian Vasquez, the former Red Sox catcher, gets the huge two-run single that essentially put the game away. I mean, it's just a snapshot of everything Houston does seems to be right and work out, and everything the Yankees do at this point in the season does not. And there is a huge divide between these two teams. The Yankees have had a above-average year, they had a really good regular season. The first two and a half months were great. They went through their struggles. They finished the season strong. They won the division. They won 99 games, and they beat the Guardians in the ALDS. It would have been a disaster if they had not advanced past the ALDS. So at that point, you can kind of write in, all right, they're going against a supremely talented team. This has been a pretty successful season. The only thing that could knock that down and not make it a successful season is getting swept. And they are now one 
game away from getting swept. Is there anything they can do? Are there any changes they can make? Is there any magic bullet, either on their bench or in their bullpen or anywhere in the organization that could extend this ALCS beyond today's Game 4 at Yankee Stadium? We're going to get into all of that. Brendan Cuddy, who covers the Yankees for NJ.com and the Star Ledger, will join me after the break. This this is the Pat O'Keefe Show. Football Sunday, Week 7, Giants in Jacksonville. They start at 1. We have the Jets, Broncos from Denver for you. 4.05 kickoff from Mile High. Our pregame coverage begins right here at 2 o'clock. But we're still dissecting last night's Yankees. Lost 5-0 in Game 3 of the ALCS to the Astros. Yankees now one game from being swept out of the playoffs at the hands of their, let's call it their, their nemesis, their daddies. I don't know what label you want to put on it. But uh, Houston certainly has the number of this Yankees franchise. Brendan Cuddy covers the Yankees for a long time for NJ.com and the Star Ledger and joins me now ahead of tonight's game four, weather permitting, of course, at the stadium as the Yankees will uh, try to stay alive. Brendan, how you doing this morning? Pat, I'm doing well. The day and night instrumental you guys played was uh, rather on point for this Yankee season. The, the, the sun is setting rather rapidly. Uh, I, this could be over tonight. Yeah, it certainly could be. I mean, they didn't give any indication last night, Brendan, that they have anything left to fight back against what clearly is a superior team. But but let me start here. Overall, and I said to a couple of people after the game that you could almost, you know, see this coming. But just last night's game in particular, we we you know, we know how it was set up. Yankees down two nothing. They lost two winnable games in Houston and they had their ace on the mound. Um, scale of one to 10, how surprised were you how last night unfolded? Um, maybe a six, right? Because you expect Garrett Cole to go out there and dominate. And for the most part, he pitched really well. That, that base is loaded situation. Now it's not like the, the Astros knocked him around, uh, that ball in center field in the second inning. Yeah, that's a routine fly ball for Harrison Bader or Aaron Judge, but it gets dropped. Uh, but then to see the Yankees' offense for, what is it, the, the seventh, eighth game this playoff, uh, collect less than six hits, you know, put together no runs after leading the major leagues in runs scored all season, um, I, think it's, I think it's still freshly shocking every time that this Yankees' offense doesn't put it together. Now, you could look at the problems. You can look at DJ LeMay. He was not around. Andrew Benintendi's not around. Matt Carpenter isn't Matt Carpenter anymore. You could, you could see why, but it's just so stunning for a team that made it to the ALCS just to get steamrolled by the other team. Is there anybody in that lineup right now, if he's in the batter's box for the Yankees, you feel comfortable? You feel like he has a chance to come through? Of course, yeah. I mean, Aaron Judge, for sure. I mean, I think he's gassed. Uh, I think that last night in his post-game press conference, which you know, uh, it's it's good it's good that he stands up uh, in front of the team and and says what he what needs to be said. Uh, that that shows the the um, uh, a real a real captain type figure, a real leadership type figure. Uh, that he does that and it takes the weight off of his teammates is a big deal. But you can kind of tell he was kind of going through the motions a little bit. He even mentioned last night that the Yankees have had their backs against the wall all season. No, they haven't. They, they won the AL East. Uh, so I, I think that at this point there's a lot of checked out minds on that Yankees ball club. 
kind of can't blame him. But back to your question, Pat. You know, I trust Aaron Judge right now. I still trust Anthony Rizzo, who's had great at-bats all postseason. Uh, Harrison Bader has really come through in spots. Uh, I think those are the guys you trust. Overall for Judge, and, and he struggled. And, and you know, it, it really did seem to turn after that 60th home run. The last two weeks of the season, you know, you were there. It, every at-bat, so much pressure. You know, it, it took a, a Herculean effort to get to 62 on the second-to-last day of the regular season. And, and he really hasn't been that dominant guy that we saw most of the season at all during the playoffs. Um do you think it's a stretch? Do you think it takes away from the overall season that he has had, his subpar performance in the postseason? Of course it does. I think we'll, I think we'll remember 62 home runs as historic, as incredible, as a, a, a superhuman feat of strength that only a 6'8", 280-pound right fielder can, can, uh, can do up to this point. But I think a lot of Yankees fans will say, what have you done for me lately? I think a lot of them will say, where were you in the playoffs? And, you know, Judge might say to them, hey, man, I'm all you got with, with all these injuries and, and with, uh, you know, just things not going well in the bullpen. He might say, they might, Judge might be able to look back at them and say, listen, I can't do it alone here. And then that's a, a fair retort. But I do think a playoff slump, you know, does reflect poorly on his season in total and I think it's going to be something that you know Yankees fans talk about all off season, especially you know as the Yankees ramp up their next gargantuan offer to try to get him to stay well yeah and that that's the next question uh Brendan Cuddy we're chatting with from NJ.com and the Star Ledger covers the Yankees uh is tonight can tonight really be the last time we see Aaron Judge in pinstripes absolutely absolutely listen man um it's, it's, you could look at it a few ways. You know, I, I genuinely think Aaron would like to come back. Uh, I think that there have been some key tells that show a little bit that he would prefer to be here, uh, that he likes being, or that he likes being here. But I think that if the Giants or somebody were to come in with an offer that's an extra three million dollars a year per season over eight years you know eight or nine years you're talking about 30 million dollars right there talking about 40 million dollars right there how do you turn that down you know the 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 deals might seem comparable but at the end of the day the, uh, the 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 overall total money being earned you know is uh is is what's gonna matter and he might wanna win a world series with the yankees he might want that legacy of the yankees captain he also might just want to go back to, to the West Coast and, and play for his childhood favorite team and, and be the man over there, too. So I think he's in a spot right now in his life that, you know, few human beings in this world get to experience. But I, I do think it's, it's a tough decision for him, and I, and I do think that there's a possibility he leaves. I, I, just, I just think that, all things considered, man, I, I got to give it 70%. I think the Yankees keep him. Brendan, uh, that's interesting, 70%. That's higher than I would have thought, to be honest with you. But, you know, all these years, whenever the Yankees have had one of these free agents come up, one of the huge advantages in the Yankees' corner was that they could offer the best chance to win a World Series. And that doesn't seem to be – I mean, if I'm Aaron Judge and I'm looking at this series and how far – I know you're in the ALCS, so that's on the one hand, but on the other hand – 
you're not even close to this team that you're going to have to continue to battle against. I mean, how much does that play into a judge looking around and seeing just how far this team has to go just to even get to a World Series? I mean, okay, well, let's look at other teams uh, and, and how close are they to get getting to a World Series. You know, the, the Yankees have gotten to the playoffs uh, all five seasons with Aaron Boone as manager. Uh, they have reached the ALCS twice. You, you can count quick a dozen teams that haven't done that, who aren't close to doing that. Uh, I, I, think, I think if you start looking around at everybody else's grasp, you start to realize that the Yankees' grass is a little bit greener. Listen, going into the season – you looked at this team as a possible third-place finisher, and then things broke in a way where they look like the best team ever. You know, So I just think that you have a hard time convincing me that out of the teams that Aaron Judge wants to play for, they're exceptionally more well-positioned to win a World Series than the Yankees are. That's fair. And that's a good point. You know, here in New York, obviously, we look at things from the Yankees' perspective, and then you throw in the expectations because of the history of the Yankees, and I think that plays into comments like the one I just made. But that's a good point as far as Judge goes. Let, let me ask you about Cole. And, uh, well, first off, what was your level of surprise? Base is loaded, and I know he spoke a lot about this, and he was pretty passionate when speaking about this after the game last night. Um what was your level of surprise with the bases loaded and nobody out? And the game was still 2 nothing that he was taken out by Boone. It didn't shock me that he was taken out, right? Um, you know, 2-0, you know, it, this is, that, that inning is the season, right? Uh, I, I wrote it in my game story last night. Uh, that was, that's what decided the ALCS uh, for the Yankees. So Boone said, you know what, I'm going to go take action. I'm not going to go stand by idly as this guy loads the bases and then potentially gives up a grand slam. You know, we, we saw Garrett Cole earlier in the game. The Yankees make an error behind him, immediate home run next at bat. Like, it's become, a, it's become a laughing, it's not laughing, it's kind of become a thing among Yankees fans that you kind of expect it to happen, and then, then it happens. Uh, you know, and not, not like that home run was anything particularly well struck or anything like that, but it happens. So uh, I wasn't shocked that Boone took Cole out. I was more shocked that he went to Lou Trevino. In that case, I think Boone was playing the percentages and also crossing his fingers a little bit, right? Because the way he explained it post game was that the Yankees liked the Trevino matchup against the bottom third of the Astros lineup. And if he gets out of that with a run scored or, or no run scored, it still saves Clay Holmes, Moizaga, Wandy Peralta for your late innings, and that way you're not circling back around the ninth inning with Clark Schmidt again. So you can see what Boone is thinking there, but you can also say, wait a second, if that's the season, you got to go to Clay Holmes, you got to go to Wandy Peralta, you got to go to Jonathan Lewisaga, your best relievers, and and that's that's what surprised me. You know, Garrett Cole's made uh, three starts now in the postseason. Uh, obviously, we, we remember what happened in Fenway Park last year in the wild card game. That was a disaster. 2020, the COVID year. Yeah, and that deciding game five, he only gave up one run, but he only gave them five innings. So I think the feeling was that left a little to be desired for a guy of his stature. But when you look at his three starts here in the playoffs in 2022, how would you sum up his performance so far? I think he's been good. 
I think he's been good. I think you can't you can't pin last night solely on Garrett Cole. Again, error in center field. Someone's got to make that catch. Uh, the 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 way the bases were loaded, it's not like they were hitting rockets off them. And the Yankees' offense had one hit going into the ninth inning last night. The guy was nails in his other two ALDS starts. Uh, you gotta you gotta really like what you saw out of Garrett Cole. You know, what you saw out of Nestor Cortez so far, what you saw out of Luis Severino, it's not the starting pitching. It's not – this is not the year – this is not the offseason where you're going to point at Garrett Cole and say, hey, you you lost this for us, kind of like last year uh, in the wild card game. Uh, I think that this time around, it's the offense. This time around, it's the bullpen. This time around, it's the injuries. And, you know, now we go into an offseason of wondering uh, what – the Yankees are going to do to make things better because they've gone so far down a road with guys like Josh Donaldson, who's owed 25 million next year, you know, guys like uh, Aaron Hicks, who's owed another 30 million the next few years. And he's your fourth outfielder at best. Now, now there's a lot of dead weight on this team. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how the Yankees front office sheds it and brings new life. All right. Game four tonight, seven Oh seven. Um, I don't envy Boone. You know, he's, he's, he's trying, you know, every, every the lineup's different every game. He, he hasn't been able to find the combination that works. You have Lance McCullers pitching for the Astros. Obviously there's history there going back to the 2017 ALCS between McCullers and the Yankees. Uh, what do you want to see tonight? What would you do as far as the Yankees lineup goes tonight? Oh boy. Um, man, uh, give me, Harrison Bader on top. Uh, give me Anthony Rizzo hitting two with Judge third. You know, put Stanton behind him. Uh, I think you're at this point, you kind of can't dump Josh Donaldson to the bench. So, and, and, you know, to be fair to Josh Donaldson, he's been a great defend, defensive third baseman this year. He should win the American League Gold Glove, even though he wasn't even voted as a finalist. That's just some silly stuff. That was silly, yes. Um, but I think you start for uh, I think you start Peraza at shortstop tonight and and hope that he runs into one, hope that his defense saves you a run. And, uh, you know, everyone else is, is going to be everyone else, you know. Uh, you kind of keep things status quo. I mean, I wouldn't hate seeing Kyle Higashioka getting a shot tonight. Um, but, but you know, again, now now we're talking about the backup catcher, number eight hitter on the team, when, when, when really what you need is the Yankees to come out, score three runs in the first inning, and really press. The Astros, which we haven't seen the Yankees do, and uh, it's hard to think the Yankees will do. Brendan, one more for you. Let, let's just say the Yankees lose tonight, and, and you know you mentioned coming into the season the expectations weren't for them to win the division. You know, Toronto was the favorites. You had Tampa. We were unsure about Boston. Um, they win ninety nine games. They win the division. They get to the ALCS. But if they were to get swept out of the ALCS in this fashion, what label would you put on this season? I think you got to go with disappointing. You know, when when you have the record that the Yankees had mid-season, when you're talking about all-time great teams, you know, you, you got to look at it through a different prism, through a different lens. And it's hard to be disappointed with an AL East division win, right? Yankees players will tell you just how hard it is to win a division. Uh, you know, they, they won in game five of the ALDS. The, the Guardians pushed them to the brink. Uh, they were able to overcome that. That's another triumph. But 
I just think that the Yankees would tell you that they're disappointed in themselves, in their offense, um, just having a tough time, uh, you know, being particularly uh, competitive isn't the right word, right? Because they could have won game two. Um, but the results are what the results are. And, you know, potentially getting swept in the ALCS, it kind of makes it look like, did you really even belong? You know, history will say, did you even really belong on the field with that other team in the first place? And and that's that's a tough place to be. Brendan, great stuff. I, I appreciate your contributions to the show, uh, and I really enjoy your coverage. It was great meeting you in person last night at the Yankee game. Absolutely. Good to get a handshake in there, Pat. Thank you for having me. Great questions. Uh, Yankees fans, good luck tonight. Yeah, that's for sure. All right, that's Brendan Cuddy. Covers the Yankees for NJ.com and the Star Ledger. Not a lot of positives to hang your hat on if you're a Yankee fan right now. You really got to search pretty deep. You got Nestor Cortez on the mound. Uh, it starts there. Uh, it might end there as well tonight, just like the season might end there tonight. This, this is the Pat O'Keefe Show. Let's go to the phones, and we start with Spike in St. Pete. What's up, Spike? How you doing? Hey, good to hear you, Pat. Just want to let you know a bunch of uh, callers uh, that I have and uh, I have that I'm friendly with. I really enjoy when you're on the air. They find you very knowledgeable and, and just uh, easy to talk to and with a great opinion. And that's a bunch of guys. I won't mention any names. Well, thank you. I appreciate so, that, Spike. Tell well, them thank no, you, you as deserve. well. You deserve it. So, so here's what I see. I want uh, this is my opinion, so I can't correct your opinion. But uh, that play uh, in the second inning, whatever it was, with uh, Bader and the uh, Judge, it's always the center fielder's ball. Always. Now I know it was loud, and for Judge, who's a freight train at six whatever and two eighty whatever, uh, he's got to pull up. It's not easy, you know. Once he gets going, but uh, he got in his way, and it, from there on in, listen, cold quarter break with some, a quarter bad break with some bad calls. But I want to end with this. This is amazing to me. You know, you know, I'm quite old, and I've watched a lot of baseball in the last ten days or twelve days, and I've never seen this before. The Yankee Stadium, old or new, well, old you couldn't do it. Two balls, one by Donaldson, I think McCormick, I'm not quite sure, hit the other one in the exact same spot on the top of the wall. One didn't come out, and the other one, you know what happened with Donaldson uh, getting picked off or thrown out at first. So, you know, you always see something new in baseball. And as far as the, the, the Yankees go, listen, Cole is good. He's a horse. He goes out every time. Any really top-notch pitcher, he's a top-ten pitcher, I'll leave it at that. You give up home runs. But this team is dead at the plate, absolutely dead. They look it. I'm not happy with it. I don't know where it stems from. You know, you have to peek uh, here or there, but, but something is – and Houston's the best team in baseball, albeit I don't think the back of their lineup is, is that good, but they won them a couple of games. So I look forward to hearing your answer. we got the Knicks back in action, and that's always good for me, and uh, you have a wonderful afternoon. You too, Spike. It's also good or always good when the Knicks play the way they did on Friday night in their home opener. We'll try to get to them later in the show. Um, but uh, re- regarding the Yankees last night, a couple things. All right, the Bader-Judge play. I put some blame on Judge because he needs to recognize that Bader is a superior defensive center fielder and is going to get to that ball. Judge is a fantastic outfielder himself, but he needs to recognize, A, that Bader's going to get there, 
And B, Judge also has to recognize that he's 6'7", 285. And Bader even referenced that when asked about the play after the game. Judge's size played into it. That's in the back of Bader's mind. He doesn't want to run full speed into that freight train. And I got to be honest, I don't blame him. That's why Judge has to be ultra aware because of A, Bader's defensive ability in center field, and B, Judge's size. He needs to be aware of both of those things and play that ball accordingly. I thought Judge got too close. You'd be hard-pressed to convince me that Bader wasn't calling him off appropriately. At the end of the day, it's Bader's play, and you're right. He's got to do what he can to call Judge off. I just thought Judge got too close to the area, so I think he deserves some blame in that play. That was the biggest play of the game. As far as Cole, I agree with Brendan Cuddy. He's been good. I'll even take it a step further. I think Cole has answered a lot of questions about himself this postseason. He won two games in the Cleveland series. He pitched really well yesterday. That was... That was a Little League play that happened between Bader and Judge. That can't happen in the ALCS, in a game that you need to win. Those are the kinds of things that used to happen to opponents of the Yankees. The Joe Torre years, that sort of play would happen to a team the Yankees were playing, and the Yankees were the team that would always make them pay. You couldn't give that team an extra out because they would take full advantage of it, and now Houston is that kind of team. Let's go to Buddha in the Bronx. Buddha, how you doing today? You know, Pat, I echo the sentiments of my big bro, Spike, a thousand percent, man. It's always good to talk to you. You bring a lot of knowledge and you keep it real. You know, you're not a fanboy, and I appreciate that. Thank you, Buddha. Thank you. All right, listen. Now, I got to disagree with uh, the guest, Mr. Cuddy, you know, in terms of the grass is greener. I mean, the grass is greener for the Yankees than teams who didn't make the postseason, but, like, we're in a bad spot right now on many levels. Let me break this down real quick. Now, with Cole, you know, you can say he pitched well or okay or decent, whatever adjective you want to use. You know, for me personally, I mean, this guy's not an ace. And, you know, the whole thing is it's not necessarily about how many runs he gave up. You know, listen, first of all, with that Cleveland stuff, with that light-hitting team, you know, he, he needed to win both of those games. But, you know, with this strikeout uh, record that he has, you know, look, Louisiana Lightning never had men on base through the first four innings the way this guy does. And I'm sorry. You know, if a seagull flies over the dugout, uh, they play the wrong music, okay, now he's off his game. You know, I, I, it's enough with that. I, I'm sorry. He's been a disappointment. And I'm not talking about it based on the money. I'm talking about it based on, in you know, when we need, like, that flawless effort. He's not been able to, to produce that for whatever reason. But, you know, the Yankees, the, this grass is greener. I mean, I need to know where the grass is green. They're in a bad spot right now, Pat. You know, they don't have a third baseman. They don't have a shortstop. They don't have a center fielder. And now Judge's money is coming up, you know, and let's be honest. We know that they're going to lowball him compared to what other teams are going to give him. But and you know what? And if you have to dig deep in your soul, for me personally, I don't even know if he deserves to get the biggest money. I mean, regular season, he definitely deserves it. But the postseason, has, and, and it's not just been this year, there's been a lot left to be desired. So if they give him the money, they're going to use that as an excuse why they're not able to get the requisite talent along with him to, you know, the, the, the young talent to, you know, be, 
one of those top-tier teams. But if they don't give him the money, do you have any confidence that they're going to get the requisite talent with him not being – this is a mess, Pat. This is the end. This is the end here, Pat. This is the end. I'm telling you, Pat, this is the end. Just watch. Buddha, thanks for the call as always, man. It's very bleak right now. The judge situation and this his performance, not only um, in the playoffs, but his performance ever since he hit home run number 60. He was pressing. And nobody wanted to say it at the time because I think we all wanted to see history. I did. I covered that team every day. But I wanted to see history because I wanted to see somebody hit 62 home runs. I grew up in New York hearing about Roger Maris's magical season of 61. I saw the movie. I thought it was awesome. Selfishly, I wanted to see somebody hit 62. But so I don't want to draw too much attention to the fact that he was pressing. He was pressing. He did not perform as well the last two weeks of the season. He has not gotten back on track in the playoffs. That is going to make that, plus his age, which was already a factor in these negotiations, that's going to make it very tricky. Regarding Cuddy, and we got to take a quick break here, but regarding Cuddy's comments about the grass is greener, I think he was referring to the teams that you hear that are going to make an offer to judge. The Giants, they weren't in the playoffs this year. The Texas Rangers could be in the mix. They weren't in the playoffs this year. The Red Sox, they weren't in the playoffs this year. I think his comment as far as the grass is greener is that the Yankees are closer to the World Series than a lot of those teams that could be in the market for Aaron Judge in the offseason. And it's true. The Yankees are in the ALCS. Those teams didn't make the playoffs. But you take Judge off the Yankees, you put him on one of those other teams, obviously it changes the landscape dramatically. This This is the Pat O'Keefe Show. Uh, Jets-Broncos... Our coverage begins at 2 p.m. right here. Uh, Jets in Denver looking for a four-straight win. Giants get going at 1 o'clock. We'll get back to the calls in just a second. Just want to give you some inactives for today's NFL Week 7 games. Uh, a lot of key players uh, out for the uh, for the Ravens. Actually, well, J.K. Dobbins is out for the Ravens. Um, Rashad Bateman and Mark Andrews are active. Uh, you have DeAndre Swift, the uh, running back for the Detroit Lions. He's inactive today. Uh, DJ Shark, their wide receiver, is inactive. Randall Cobb for Green Bay is out. Christian Watson, although he's been a disappointment anyway, he is out. Kenny Galladay, he's out for the Giants. Um, Kadarius Toney, surprise, surprise, is out. Julio Jones is out for Tampa Bay. Cameron Brait, uh, the tight end for the Bucks, is out as well. Kyle Phillips for Tennessee is out. No Carson Wentz for Washington. That's probably a net positive. Uh, those are some of the big offensive names in terms of fantasy football with the games kicking off a little more than an hour from now. 1-800-919-3776. Uh, back to the phones. Back to the Yanks. Let's go to Rich in Pennsylvania. Rich, how you doing? Hey, good, Pat. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, listen, I don't, I don't blame on Judge um, because what happened in the playoffs here, the whole team went to play like Judge. They're swinging out of their shoes. Um, every, the home run era is over. Thank God they're getting rid of the shift. But the Yankees had so much pressure on them by each player getting up to the plate and swinging out of their shoes and not doing anything. They can't hit the ball. So they have to go back to fundamentals next year. Whether hire Maddenly as a bench coach, I don't blame it on Boone either. There's only, there's only so much you could do with the team they have assembled. They're not hitting. And, and uh, I watched uh, Arizona Diamondbacks this year. And, uh, my neighbor plays for the Diamondbacks. And talk about exciting baseball. Um Faster than lightning. Uh, they, they beat the shift this year. Um, their problem was they had no bullpen. But I was watching a hit 
where the, where the second baseman gets in the grass deeper, hit a base hit. Jake McCarthy, he beat the beat the throw out. He would he would beat the shift out the third baseman over by second base. He would hit it to left field and turn a double into a triple. That but that's how baseball's changing and it's exciting. The Yankees have to do something next year dramatically. They have to find players that get hit because the game's changing. They're getting rid of the shift. The bag's bigger, and all the pressure they put on Judge this year, especially in the playoffs. He had a rough time the last two weeks, but it got worse in the playoffs because they're all expecting. Everybody to hit home runs expecting him. And so they're having him lead off where he shouldn't be leading off because you have nobody to back him up to get hits. He was the best contact hitter on the team, the only player to hit over 300. So they're saying, well, he doesn't belong in the first or the fourth spot or the first spot. Well, actually, who are you going to put ahead of him? They can't hit the ball. That's the problem with the Yanks this year. It's ugly baseball. Well, I agree. Uh, and I, I, I agree with you, Rich, and, and thanks for the call. And the, the approach, you're right. The, the approach is off, but the approach has been off for quite some time. And I think Boone has to uh, field some of this blame because it has been a similar approach pretty much his entire managerial tenure. That part of your comment I agree with. The part about comparing the Yankees disfavorably to the Arizona Diamondbacks, and granted, I understand that the Diamondbacks have bullpen issues, the Diamondbacks won 74 games this season, and they scored 702 runs. The Yankees won 99 games and won 807 runs, or scored 807 runs. So the Yankees' offensive approach in the regular season, where it doesn't work as well as in the postseason, it doesn't work as well against good pitching. And there is now a large body of evidence to support that. I mean, look at the Yankees' performances in recent playoffs. The Cleveland series, they... Scored 20 runs in five games. They score four runs a game. The Astros series so far, they have scored four runs in three games. And two of those runs only scored because Framber Valdez made a throwing error in game two. Last year against Boston, they scored two runs. 2020, the COVID year, that was a different year. There were no fans in the stands. They were playing in neutral sites. Cleveland played the Yankees in that wild card round. The Yankees scored 22 runs in two wild games against Cleveland that year. And then against the Rays, they scored six runs a game in five. Okay, you think that sounds good. Well, in the deciding game five against Tampa Bay, the Yankees lost two to one. 2019, they beat Minnesota in the ALDS. I don't even count Yankees playoff games against Minnesota because they have owned them forever. But then they faced Houston in the ALCS. Same story. 21 runs in six games. Three and a half runs per game in 2019. In 2018, they beat up on the A's in the wild card game, but then they play the Red Sox in the ALDS. They score 14 runs in four games, three and a half runs per game. 2017, again, they beat up on Minnesota in the wild card game. We don't count that. They play Cleveland in the ALDS. They score 21 runs in five games. They win that series, and then they face these Astros again in a seven-game series. They scored 22 runs, averaging a little more than three runs per game. And in that 2017 ALCS, Game 6, Yankees lose 7-1. Game 7, Yankees lose 4 to nothing. So it's the combination of not scoring a high volume of runs and not scoring any runs later in the series. Against Tampa in 2020, they score one run in Game 5. Against Houston in 2017, they score one run in Game 6. They get shut out in Game 7. And then you want to take it back further. 2016, they don't go to the playoffs. 2015, they lose in the wild card game to, you guessed it, Houston, where they were shut out. 
2014, no playoffs. 2013, no playoffs. That's a decade, folks. That is 10 full years of either missing the playoffs entirely or subpar offensive performance, except for a few scattered games against the Twins and the Oakland A's, subpar offensive performance in the playoffs. It is 10 years of data right there, and we are seeing it play out in this series against the Astros. There is something wrong with the Yankees' hitting approach. This, this is the Pat O'Keefe Show.